Great. Good morning, church. Good morning. How are you all doing? Good. Good? Excellent. Sorry, my legs are absolutely killing me. <laughs> During the week, I started exercising again. <laughs> so I'm not going to be as, well, I'm not going to walk around as much. <laughs> but yeah, just pray for me so that the pain can be alleviated a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, my name is John Luca. I am one of the pastors of uh, the East Ham Elim Hub Churches. That's a mouthful to say. So that consists of Dagenham Elim, Barking Elim, and East Ham Elim. And I am the pastor at um, East Ham Elim Church as of November. So I'm part of that team. And uh, thank you. (laughs) And uh, Lloyd is my boss, Pastor Lloyd Cheshire. He has been here before. And he's um, sent me back here as well with you guys. So thank you for having me as well. I'm sure he'll be uh, watching this. He sends his love to all of you as well. So, great. As we continue through this year, and as I share the word today, it is good to address, I think, one of the many battles that we face through the year. We all have a common enemy, isn't it? Can anybody tell me who the enemy is? Satan, the devil, exactly. And then, well, we have the Satan, and then who else do we have? We have ourselves, our flesh, the flesh. I would like to clarify something about the flesh just before I just keep on going with that. So just before I continue, I want to ask you all this. When we talk about the flesh, are we talking about our physical bodies necessarily? Why not? <laughs> was, that, was that just a guess? <laughs> well, yes, who said nature? Ah, great. Thank you, my sister. So, no, not really. The flesh consists of this. It's about our sinful disposition, our sinful nature, our sinful desires that may come as a result of our body, our physical bodies, but is also through our hearts and minds. The heart and the mind. So let me ask you these two other questions. I love asking questions, by the way. I like having a little bit of an interactive sermon. So don't mind me. So let me ask you this first. What is the heart, in your opinion? What is the heart? The core of the being. The core of the being. Oh, interesting. Anybody else? The heart. What is it? Who said the mind? mind. Oh, okay. Great. The mind. Anybody else? If you had to describe the heart to somebody, to like a child, what would you say to them? They said, like, oh, mommy or daddy or uncle or an auntie. What is the heart? Feelings. Feelings? Okay. They're responsible for your feelings. What else? Emotions. Sorry? Emotions. Emotions. Great. Well, somebody said mind. What is the mind then in that case? (laughs) Brain. Who said brain? Brain, okay. Something else? Conscience. So if the heart is to do with emotions and uh, feelings, what does the the mind do? (laughs) Controlling. I can see all your minds working right now, trying to find an answer, right? <laughs> that shows you have a mind. That's good. 
The heart and the mind, let me just say this, the heart and the mind are quite difficult to explain because I think everybody has their own definition of them. And it kind of changes between the context that you find yourself into as well. You know, your culture might have, you know, might dictate what the heart and the minds are. Um, Even the age that we live in as well to a degree. The Bible keeps listing them as separate. But there are many times when it it is used interchangeably. Like our brother said, I asked what is the heart. He said the mind well, actually, in the Bible, there seems to be times when he, I mean, the word uses it interchangeably, like I said. So today, my, people might have a sharp distinction between the two, but scripture doesn't have so much. In fact, in text after text, the Bible uses the word heart in a way that very much has to do with our perception of what the mind does. So in Hebrews 4.12, our hearts have thoughts In uh, Psalms 119, verse 11, it says that heart is in charge of remembering. Romans 10, verse 10, it says it's about trust. Uh, Psalm 19, 14 is where meditation happens. Proverbs 7, 7, understanding, and so on. And you you get the point. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily think that making a distinction between them is wrong, necessarily. But I think the logical conclusion that someone should always bear in mind, whether you refer to the heart or mind, you should always remember that it happens inward, inwardly, isn't it? It's an inward thing. Feelings, logic, empathy, knowledge... All of it happens inwardly. And I would personally think that it happens in the brain from a biological point of view, but we're not going to get into that. So today I want to use the word mind. Everybody say mind. I want to use this word to encompass all our inner being functions, our thoughts, our logic, our feelings. Everyone following? So whenever I say the mind, I mean your understanding of what the heart is, your understanding of what the mind is, the soul, or whatever it is, I'm going to encompass it in the mind. Okay? All following? Great. Awesome. So we're going to be calling it the mind. I want to say this. Our mind is a wonderful thing. God created it. And although it's really simple, it's also one of the most complex things as well about us. Let's start with feelings. Feelings are complex. Am I right? Sometimes we can't even describe how we feel to others when they ask us, isn't it? Our thoughts are complex. We may have an opinion about something one day, and then when we, when we are asked about it another day, we might have changed our minds completely without even realizing it. Who has been there? <laughs> I've been there many times. And sometimes it's because of our feelings as well. You know, one day we might be feeling a little bit moody. So when they ask us about an opinion about something, we're like, oh, yeah, I have this. But then when we feel a bit, a bit nicer, <laughs> we change it. So... Because of that, I think the logical conclusion (laughs) to come up with is that our minds, our inner self, is also something else. It's faulty, 
And why is that, church? Why is our mind faulty? Say a bit louder, you all know. There you go. Sin. Sin. And how does sin work in someone's mind? What happens when sin starts to introduce itself? How does sin introduce itself into your mind? Sorry? Thoughts, which there's another T word for it as well. Temptation. Temptation. By tempting us into things that we shouldn't do. That weakness to sin is also what we call the flesh. As a result of that, we are always in constant war against our minds. Remember though, when I'm talking about the mind, I'm talking about all of our inner being. All of those things, all of that is weak to sin. As the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all, all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Our intellectual rationale can deceive us. I mean, look at all the people that deny God out there in the world. And, you know, they would claim that there's absolutely no evidence for God at all. But is that true? Is there really no evidence for God out there? Yeah, there is evidence. (laughs) There is. But it doesn't matter (laughs) to our minds at times. Because we, we choose not to see what is rational at times. Our emotional rationale can be equally deceiving. You may deny God because of past traumas that made you wonder if, he, if, if, a, if a loving father really is out there. Or maybe because of disappointments that you have encountered in the church. Maybe Christians treated you badly. Therefore you want nothing to do with God. Because of that. Now, those feelings might be real to some, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's still deceiving and their perception is preventing them from seeing the truth about God. So, your emotions, your intellectuality can be deceitful above all things. Now, let's talk about peace for a second. Let me ask you this. What is the Hebrew word for peace? Everyone should know this. Shalom. Shalom. But there's a deeper meaning to this word as well. Shalom also means wholeness, unity, harmony. Now, why am I telling you this? Because our minds can destroy our shalom, our peace, isn't it? within ourselves and with others around us. Meaning our faulty minds can destroy the unity and wholeness there is in one's mind. And then we find ourselves shattered. Our our psyche is shattered. A constant war with itself in chaos and confusion. And like I said, not just within ourselves, but with others around us leading to broken relationships as well. But then we have Bible passages, such as the main biblical passage we're going to be reading today, which is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 to 9. So if you have a Bible's view, just turn with me to there. 
But if you don't have a Bible view, I'm just going to read it out loud as well. And a lot of you will know this Bible passage, but let me just, let's just reiterate it again. So this is what it says, Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 to 9. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you help us unpack this word and that you help us, Lord, learn from it, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lead us with your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. So, we have a battle with the mind. We established that. Our minds fall short. And the reality is that sometimes we can't help it. I know people that struggle with sin, but I also know people that struggle with things such as, such as depression and anxiety. Deep depression and anxiety. So our minds are very, very fragile. They are susceptible to deception, to pain and to sin. But here is the hope that even though our minds fall short, we have a God that sustains us in our times of need, that listens to us. Like what we highlighted earlier, you know, no plight, no supplication made to him ever goes unheard. He's there for us. Amen? Amen. And in the, Bible, in the Bible passage we read earlier, Paul highlights something that is very key. Paul tells us that our thoughts shape our lives. Our thoughts shape our lives. If you guys didn't know, in recent years, modern psychology has developed something called cognitive behavioral therapy. Who, know, who has heard that before? You, uh, yeah, there you go. I've actually studied this when I, was, uh, when I was in school back in the day. And I love psychology. It's one of, my, it's one of the things that I really love, just studying the mind. And I wish I would have actually went into it at some point, but, you know, God had different plans. <laughs> but cognitive behavioral therapy... It's a teaching that revolutionized psychology, psychological therapy. It teaches that many problems from eating disorders to traditional challenges, addictions, and even some sort of depression and anxiety are rooted in faulty and negative patterns of thinking. So that's just a little overview of what that establishes. And do you know what the first steps to treating those things are? It begins by changing the way you think. That's how it starts. Now, does that ring a bell? Does it? It should, because we were just reading about it in the Bible. (laughs) 
What does the Bible say in verse 8? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What social science now is demonstrating today is what God already told us in his word. What, what was said by Solomon 3,000 years ago in Proverbs 23, 7. For as he, a person, thinks within himself, so he is. So what, of, what the word of God is showing today is that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest... Th- uh, <laughs> I did a bit of a snake thing there, didn't I? <laughs> Moving to our strongest thoughts and convictions. So ask yourself this, church, today. Where are your thoughts taking you today? Just ask yourself that question. Are your thoughts leading you to think bad about others Are your thoughts leading you to think bad about yourself or to think yourself as worthless? Are your thoughts leading you to distrust God? Are your thoughts leading you to gossip about others? Are your thoughts leading you to look at other women or men? Are your thoughts leading you to anger or irritation? Are your thoughts leading you to deception either to yourself or others? And then ask yourself this as well. Are my thoughts moving in godly directions? Are they? And if your answer is no, then maybe it's time to start changing the way that we think. Reality is that no one here in this room can say that they don't have any weaknesses in their minds to sin. Nobody. All of us are susceptible to it. We all do. And the enemy knows your weaknesses, my weaknesses, very, very well. And maybe you have tried through the years to move on from certain things, from certain types of weaknesses, and to strengthen yourself. And maybe some of you have struggled with yourself for many years and just can't seem to change your mind at all. To the point that it seems like nothing will ever change. Your flesh is just too powerful. But again, I'm here to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. With God's help, all of us can transform our minds. With God's help, you can trample upon the lies of the enemy. With God's help, everyone can end vicious cycles of families that family has been carrying for generations of addiction to alcohol, to pornography, and to many other things. We just have to allow God to saturate our minds and to renew it with his word and unchanging truth. Amen? So what ways can someone renew their minds to win this battle? Let's just, let me give you one. The first one here. 
crying out to God. It might sound very simple. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. It's all things that are just found in the word already. But sometimes we forget about them. The first one is crying out to God. We read earlier this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's really powerful stuff there. I don't know if you gathered that. This might seem obvious, but in our flesh, it is not obvious. When we struggle with ourselves, we tend to want to solve it ourselves. Am I right? We, we try what we thinks will work in situations. It says in Psalms 18:6, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. God hears our distress, church. If there's ever a time where you ever doubt that, turn it around now, because he does. He does. I want you all to understand this today. There is never a time when God stops hearing you call to him. Ever. You might be praying for years for something. He has heard every single one of those prayers. Every single one of them. Anyone that wants to talk to him can come to him. As we just said earlier as well, just before this word. No thought and no action is something that he can't see. And I wholeheartedly believe that when you call upon him, when you call upon him in your distress, he will give peace. He will. I, I, I can bear witness to that in my life. I can. Even in the times when I had my faith derailed completely in my youth, the times when I still called to God, he still managed to give me peace in those times. But it begins with us calling to him and crying out for his name. It begins with that. And it needs to be a genuine crying for his help. It's not like, oh Lord, yeah, help me. <laughs> and let me go and do my own thing in the meantime. <laughs> no. No. You're dependent upon him. <laughs> you are. <laughs> He's your heavenly father. <laughs> We don't just say that out of nowhere, like he is our father. It, it reminds me of a story. When I was younger, there was once a time when my, um, so in Italy, we, in the city that I grew up in, there's things called trams. I don't know if you know about trams here. I don't see them as often here. Um, it used to be more of a thing. Over there, that's the main method of transportation in Turin. And uh, once there was a time when myself and my parents were going somewhere, and we were in this tram, and suddenly my dad disappeared out of nowhere. I didn't know where he went. I even asked them, what, so I reminded them of this story, and they were like, I have no idea where, we went, where he went. But 
During that time, I remember, I was thinking, where is my dad? <laughs> I was very young, <laughs> very, very young. And I started crying out to my mom, mom, I want my dad back. Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and I started crying my eyes out. I want my father. Where is he? <laughs> he did come back. <laughs> and it turned out that I was crying for nothing. But I was, when I was writing this, it reminded me, wow. Wow. Isn't that the same sort of passion that we should have when calling out to our Heavenly Father as well in our time of distress? Isn't it? In the same way, God doesn't abandon us, his children, and he will answer in due time when one calls upon him. Second one, plant his word in your heart. Plant his word in your heart. Let me tell you something else about myself as well. I mean, I told you earlier that I started exercising this week. I am not very good at doing that. <laughs> to find the motivation to start getting into shape and doing all that business and going to the gym and everything. I find that very hard to do. Um, every year, I can't remember how many times that has been. My New Year's resolution was always, okay, I'm going to start you know, walking and exercising again. I'm going to start doing this and making a plan for it. And then what ends up happening is I don't go through with it. Or I might do it for a time period, maybe for a, this X amount of months, and then suddenly something derails it completely, and then that's it. <laughs> Who has been in that sort of situation before? New Year's re- resolutions are not something uh, I'm beginning to think that. I've, I, don't, I don't think I've ever met somebody that's actually pulled through with their New, re- new Year's resolution. Um, I mean, if you, if, you, if you are, if you have, well done to you. But I never could. <laughs> it's, it's something that I always struggled with. You know, planning the schedule, plan everything, and it would never last long enough. It would only be for a time and a season. Now, the problem with that is that we attack our problems by trying to solve it surface level. Now, what do I mean by that? We focus solely on the behavior by making a commitment to start or to stop doing that behavior. Do you all get that? So, if if I eat too many chocolates in the evening... (laughs) Then what my, my, well, most of us will say, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop, stop eating the chocolates then. <laughs> and that's it. So that's what I mean by that. You try to solve the problem by, stop doing, by stopping doing the problem, basically. So, yes, uh, maybe, you know, I'm getting a little bit chubby. I'm going to stop eating junk food from today. You know, I say goodbye to all the chocolates and the crisps. Or maybe I am tired of wasting time on social media. So I'm going to delete everything and never go back to it. Or maybe I am not happy seeing myself fail reading my Bible every time. So from today, I will start reading my Bible and praying every day, every morning, every midday, and every evening. And that's how I'm going to solve it. Whatever the vow, though, you will always find that it fails. <laughs> hmm? Especially, I know, for some, of, for some of us, the Bible reading as well. <laughs> hmm. 
And that's because, actually now going a little bit in psychology, modern research actually says that spontaneous behavior modification is very unlikely to work. You are only focusing on modifying the behavior itself. What one should be doing is getting to the root cause of that problem. What is the root cause of why you're eating too many chocolates in the evening? Or ice cream. (laughs) What is the root cause of why you're not reading your Bible in the morning or in the evening? Let me tell you what it's like to change just that behavior or change the surface level. It's like if you see an ugly tree in your garden, all right? You all have a, well, let's say that you all have a garden, and there's an ugly tree there that you want to get rid of. Now, one day you wake up, and you go to the tree, and what you do is, I'm going to take down this tree, but instead of taking down the tree, you only cut off the branches, and then you go back, and you call it a day. Did you get rid of the tree? No, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't. You only cut the branches off, and the tree will grow back those branches eventually as well. That's what you will find. In the, way, in the same way, changing what you do by just removing the behavior is absurd. The behavior isn't the main problem. It's what's behind that behavior. What's within the heart? What have you planted in the heart that is causing that to grow? <laughs> You have to find the root. And what happens when you identify the root? You remove the lie, and you remove whatever is there, the seed that you are allowed to be sown in there. And secondly, you replace it with truth. You replace it with truth. And what truth do we follow, church? It's God's truth. We follow his word. You must plant the word of God in your heart to stop the lies we must use the word of God think about it that's what Jesus did with the Satan when he was trying to tempt him in the wilderness now Jesus was hungry do you all know the story good Jesus was hungry he was susceptible to his flesh he wanted to eat something so When the Satan comes and attempts to tempt him, what does Jesus do, church? What does he use? The word of God. But I want you all to pay attention to this. How did Jesus use the word of God? What did he do? How? He what? He spoke it. He spoke it out. He didn't take the scrolls out. They didn't have Bibles like we do here now, physical copies of it. They had the scrolls. He didn't take out the scrolls and start like, okay, this is what it says in uh, Deuteronomy, whatever, it, whatever, whatever. He already internalized that truth in his heart. He knew it. <laughs> because, I mean, the Satan knows the word. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Sometimes better than ourselves, which, is, which is, a, is a shame. But that should tell us that we should plant the word of God in our hearts. It's not just about reading it. It's about internalizing it within you. Jesus spoke it out. He had internalized that truth. 
Because guess what, church? When the enemy will come eventually to start poking at your weakness, you have the word of God in there planted. And that will come forward. And you will be able to shield yourself from the lies that come your way. Again, don't just read the word, internalize the word. Repeat the word. I mean, kids do it in Sunday school. They, you know, they, they do memory verse challenges and all those sort of things. I'm sure a lot of you have done that when you were children. Why do we stop when we're adults? Exactly. In fact, we, sh- we should keep going. We should keep on repeating those words within ourselves. Amen? Amen. Third, declaration. This is also linked to, to the word, to be honest. If you have the word of God in your heart, declare it out. Declare it in your life. Declare it. It's the book where the truth is contained. If you struggle with worrying about money, then find the biblical passages that talk about God's providence and declare it. Declare it in yourself. You know what? I am not going to worry because I know God will provide and I'll be faithful to him first. If you struggle with sexual immorality, then find the biblical passages that talk about God's freedom, that talk about these sort of things and declare it in your life. If you struggle with loneliness, find the biblical passages that talk about God being ever-present in your life and declare it. Declare it out loud. And fourth, control your frame of thought as well. You're not in control of many things in life, is the truth. We're not. As much as we would want to, we're not. Sometimes things happen that were beyond your control and suddenly your life changes completely. Suddenly you're not allowed to eat certain things for some. You're not allowed to be as active as we once was. Or perhaps you were praying for something to happen in a certain way and you realize it's not happening the way that you envisioned it. You know, if, if only I'll get this degree, then I can get the job that I always wanted. And then you get the degree, but you never get the job. <laughs> or you plan to be married by now, but the right person never came or hasn't come. Or perhaps you got married, but the marriage didn't work out and everything went wrong. Or you have been praying for your son or daughter to come to Christ, but God has not answered that prayer yet. Let me just say this regarding the, you know, the person that wrote what we read earlier, Paul. <laughs> Paul was in, that, in, a, in a very similar situation when he was writing the letters to the Philippians. He was in circumstances that were beyond his control. He writes that once he would have made it to Rome, his expectation was that he wanted to declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to all the governors and officials of Rome, of the Roman Empire. That's, that's what he wanted to do. That's what he expected it was going to happen. 
But what actually happened when he got to Rome, church? Well, he was imprisoned. He got arrested. He was locked up under house arrest. And his execution, i.e. his death sentence, was also probably very near at that point. Paul was praying for an opportunity. He was hoping to see the Philippians again, but it was not happening. It was beyond his control. But how was he writing to the church of Philippi? What was his frame of thought in all of that? Amen. He was still faithful to God. What, but what, was, he, was he like, you know what, church, I am writing to you this. You know, I had all these expectations in my life to be in Rome and to preach the gospel to the officials. But now I am here, I'm imprisoned. I may, I may die as well. I'm praying to God that I may see you again, but that doesn't seem like that's happening. As a result of that, I write to you that prayer doesn't work. And that I never, I'm never going back to church again. <laughs> Is that what he said? No. No. Because although all those things were happening to Paul, although he was probably not going to survive, he didn't. He was going to die through execution. Although although things were out of his control, the thing that he could control was his frame of thought. This is what he actually says in Philippians 1, 12 to 14. He says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a re- this is a man that is, is speaking in a prison <laughs> alone. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone, everybody else that I'm in chains for Christ And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He was imprisoned. He couldn't go anywhere. And yet he still acknowledged that God was using what was happening to him to inspire others to share more about the gospel. He was was still being used to evangelize to the guards that were keeping him captive. You see, Paul could have easily been defeated in the battle of the mind when all these terrible things were happening to him. And yet, he still chose to see it from a godly frame of thought rather than a hopeless frame of thought. You may not be able to control things around you. However, you're able to control and to look at things from a godly perspective, from a godly frame of thought. So we must all reframe our minds, restore our perspective when you go through trials and tribulations. And that's how you win the battle of the mind, church. There's many other things as well within that. And is there somebody here that struggles with that today? Maybe you are going through battles, real battles, in your mind, in all your inner being. Maybe you're struggling 
to have faith in God right now. Maybe you are struggling with addiction. Maybe you are struggling with certain types of sins in your life that make you go completely blind. But let's all turn around from that and let's allow God to change our minds today. Let's all bow our heads right now. Father God, Lord, we know, Lord, that we don't pray in vain. We know that you are ever-present in our lives. Lord, sometimes our flesh, sometimes our minds get in the way of trusting in you, Lord, of fully obeying you, Lord, and being faithful to you. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, for any brother or sister right now, or somebody who may not even know you, Lord, right now, who is in a war with, its, with themselves. Lord, I pray, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, they'll be unshackled from, Lord, the imprisonment that they put themselves in the mind. For anybody that we know, Lord, that is struggling, Lord, with depression, anxiety. For anybody that we know that is struggling with addiction, Lord, right now. For anybody that that we know that is in a lifestyle that they shouldn't be in, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, for your mercy, Lord. Lord, Lord, we are victors, Lord, in your name. And you will not leave us, Lord in our time of need. So I pray, Lord, that we'll cry out to you, Lord, in our time of need. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there will be people here that start, Lord, planting the word of God in their hearts. That they will start declaring those words of truth in their lives. And that they will start looking at things from a godly frame of thought even though sometimes we're tempted not to, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we will overcome, Lord, all of these. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.